Good morning. My name is Bill Scott. I'm one of the elders here at Christian Fellowship Church. And it's good to see you here all today. Thanks to the worship team up here also for what they've done this morning. Um, my message is called Go Fish. You might have an idea of what that might be about. I'm going to have Jeff and, and Bob come up here and I'm going to pass out some uh, playing cards. So we're going to start off by by uh, gambling a little bit more for your tithe money, if that's okay with you guys. No, I'm kidding. I hope you know I'm kidding. Anyways, the idea here is to, each of you to take a card, kind of hold that in your hand, and I'll reference it at the beginning and then at the end, but it's, the idea is to, probably most of you are aware of the, or know of the game, Go Fish. When we were probably younger, you would everybody would have cards in their hand and they'd ask somebody for a card that matched in their hand and if they didn't have it, they'd say, go fish. Well, it's not a perfect analogy, but um, the idea is to go fish, fishing for men and women that don't know Jesus. So what do you think of when you hear the word evangelism? I know we've heard it the last two weeks. Dave had a message a couple weeks ago on evangelism and then um, Dylan last week had an, a message on evangelism. It's one of our aspired values here that we uh, hope to be, get better at, out, outreach and evangelism. Um, what if you're told you need to go out and evangelize someone? What do you think? I mean, it kind of scares you, doesn't it? It strikes fear, apprehension maybe in your heart. Evangelize is kind of a, that word itself is kind of a tough word to hear. Um, what if you don't know what to say? What if, what will somebody think of me if I evangelize with them? What if I'm persecuted? What if somebody argues with me? Should it only be done by the pastor? <laughs> Who said yes? No! That's <laughs> Should it, is, is it done by someone with the gift of evangelism? In, and I have to get used to these slides. Slides moving forward here. The first uh, passage, which I think Dave shared last week and also Dylan shared last week, and I won't read the whole one here. I just highlighted um, the part I'm going to read there, but it's make disciples of all nations. Um, I'm hoping what we discuss today will cause you to think more about the role we have as believers and, and what part that would play in evangelism. Again, doesn't the word evangelism or evangelizing kind of paralyze you? Basically, it, we can equate it with sharing the gospel and hopefully this will be, yeah. I'm just going to read this definition. I got it from the web, and it's, and it's from an article by a guy named Matt, Max Stiles. It says, evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Here's how he says the Amplified Bible might have expanded the definition. I can't read it very well here, so I'm reading here. Evangelism is teaching, heralding, proclaiming, preaching the gospel, the message from God that leads us to salvation with the aim, hope, desire, goal to persuade, convince, convert. Um, the next thing is I've got an idea that I haven't run by the elders yet, um, but maybe we can try something similar to this on some of us who might be apprehensive about evangelizing. I'm going to play a DVD here for you and see what you think. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we discovered a new method of evangelism shaking the very foundation of our community. If you appear orthodox and friendly, we're shocked at the results. <laughs> we're amazed. 
So do you think that would work? <laughs> we might try something like that. I think it would work. All right, anyways, this message is very much for myself. My hope is that the Lord will encourage you through what we discussed this morning. How many of us find it a challenge or difficult to share our faith? I do. 
As believers, we have the hope all mankind needs. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. Once we're saved or born again, God gives us a burden for those in our sphere of influence to become saved as well. Do you agree? Yes. There is the gift of evangelism in Ephesians 4.11. It says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. But in 2 Timothy 4.5, Paul says to Timothy, Do the work of an evangelist. So that speaks to all of us as believers, doesn't it? We know the, the good news or gospel of Christ. We know that we have the only way, don't we? I was saved at the age of 23. I know several people were burdened for my salvation. My family was hugely instrumental in me coming to Jesus. The Sunday before I accepted Christ into my heart, my pastor at the time called me up and said, what are you waiting for? I said, I didn't know. The following Sunday, I raised my hand when he asked who would like to invite Christ into their life. And on that day, I knew I did something. I didn't know exactly what I did, but um, I should say what the Lord did in my heart that day. As I grew in my relationship with the Lord, I began to realize what happened would affect me for eternity. A side note, and my brother's not here, but uh, after the service, it was like the only time in my life I'd seen tears in my brother's eyes, so I knew I did something big. Dave was huge in getting my Christian life started, um, with scripture memorization, going to church, Bible studies, and basically it was discipling me and, and pointing me in the right direction. Why is sharing Christ difficult when we know we have what the world needs? We are apprehensive or scared, right? I am. This verse, Romans 1.16, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that's for everyone. I'm sharing a good deal of scripture this morning to try to motivate us. Really, it's God that does the motivating. The leaders of our church are committed, along with our new pastor, coming soon, we hope. They want, we want all of everybody to be equipped to share the gospel. So we're, um, I guess, too, when, when you think about what we have as Christians, we all have a story to tell somebody, right? I mean, I think about when I have, there are times when I, Think of work situations, and um, I have a chance to share. Certainly, we have to do our jobs at work, but if there's a, an opportunity to share there, I think I get home, and sometimes I'll tell my wife that that's the best part of my day is when you get to share the gospel. Um, I, I would think you guys would feel the same way, and, and sometimes you, they don't care for it, but I think, you know what, the Lord hopefully will use that, and I, I, I still feel good if somebody says they don't want anything to do with it. Anyways, Christ changes our lives for now and for eternity. I've been a Christian for over 30 years, and I've always had a burden for those who are not saved. I look back and wish I could have, would have taken more time, more opportunities um, than I did to share what Jesus has done for me. Not sure why, but over the last few years, my burden for the lost has grown stronger, and I'm glad that it has. Maybe I think about the lost more partly because I'm getting older. As my loving daughter quotes, Dad, you're not getting old, you are old. Anyways, I'm realizing more and more that time is short. My kids have flown the coop, although one of them's back here today. Alex is back here today. So I'm thinking more about what God has left for me as I live out the rest of my days. Actually, my kids have spurred me on to share the gospel, and ultimately it's the Lord who, who has motivated me, and it's by his spirit that that motivates me. And I'm so glad 
that someone didn't hesitate to share with me. I mean, I think about that when sharing the gospel, that somebody with all of us who are saved in here, somebody came to us and said, you need to know about Jesus, whether it was a pastor, whether it was a friend or whoever. Um, I'm of the school of thought that anybody can be saved at, at any time. There's no sin that's beyond what Christ can forgive. Amen? Good. And no one's too old. Case in point, Kay's dad from about a year and a half ago is 96 years old and accepted Christ. So there's hope for everyone. Has anyone committed too much sin to be saved? No. I'd be in trouble if that was the case. Familiar uh, verses here, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then Romans 10.9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus commands us as Christians to make disciples. We saw that earlier in Matthew 28. We've been made into disciples both by those who had a burden for, the, burden for us, and we, hope, we owe them a huge debt of gratitude. As the saying goes, it's a lost and dying world out there, and we as Christians appear as lights. You are a light. This is from Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. I jumped ahead too far here. Oh yeah, we truly have the answer and can articulate or communicate it through the understanding of the Holy Spirit. The understanding the Holy Spirit gives us through the scriptures or of the scriptures. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Amen. And then 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. This one's a little harder for me to read back there, but devote yourselves to prayer. This is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Our job is to share God causes the growth. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. The Bible states, or the, Bible states the Lord desires all to be saved. In 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Okay, I don't want to split hairs on this, but want to mention the doctrine of election. I know a little bit about it. Basically, it says God saves some and he doesn't, and he doesn't save others. Certainly, this can be argued and debated. If you men out there want to discuss Calvinism, predestination, Arminianism, or the like, come to our Monday men's Bible study. We all love it there. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've discussed these types of issues quite a bit over the years and have not been able to settle on surefire answers. What we have settled on is that we're supposed to share our faith with those who don't know Jesus. My take on this is God desires all to repent and to come to a saving knowledge of him. 
that has scriptural basis as we have seen in the preceding verses. When we stand before him someday, it won't be the Lord's fault that someone is not saved, right? Certainly without the Lord, no one gets saved, but human responsibility is right in the mix. John 12, 32 says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. As I had said earlier, the, the leadership of CFC wants all of us as believers to be equipped to share our faith. We plan to gear some of our teachings in the growth groups and Bible studies towards evangelism. Years ago, I was in a Bible study group where we went through a study that I think the church still has in their library. It's called Becoming a Contagious Christian, and maybe some of you have gone through it. It's, it's been around for a while. I've got another short video. This one's a little more serious than the first one. But <laughs> not that one. There we go. The people who are Christians talking to others about Jesus is they think they have to become something great that they never become. They're like Billy Graham, you know, and somebody very, someone very articulate, very powerful in their communication abilities. Or something really weird, like the guy that see on the street corner who's babbling about God or something, and they say, I, I don't want to be that. I can't become this great thing. I don't want to become this weird thing. And so they just sort of check out in the process of sharing their faith to, with others about Jesus. So I think one of the keys is to understand that we all have different styles of sharing our faith, and that's okay. You can be yourself and be effective in the way you talk about Jesus to other people. For instance, some people do have a direct style, like Billy Graham does, and they're like Peter at Pentecost, who got up and said, hey, look, guys, you just murdered Jesus, the Messiah, son of God. What are you going to do about it? And 3,000 people that day realized what they've done, and they repented, and they became followers of Jesus, and the church was born. So he has a very direct kind of confrontational style. But most people don't have that style. I don't have that style. Some people have an intellectual style, sort of like the Apostle Paul in Acts 17, who talked about the philosophers of Greece and, and talked to them about God. And many people, me included, like to talk to other people about evidence and about facts that back up our faith. Other people have a testimonial style, sort of like the blind man who was healed by Jesus, and he was taken before the religious authorities, and he didn't, you know, be very confrontational with people, and he didn't try to reason with them. He just said, look, I was blind, and now I see. Deal with it. And some people have an ability to tell their story in a compelling way, the story of how they met Jesus Christ and how he's changed their life. And that's a great style, a great way that those people talk to others about Jesus. Other people have a serving style. Uh, there's a person in the New Testament called Dorcas, and she would make clothing for all the widows in her neighborhood, and through that have an opportunity to talk to others about God. And some people have this ability to serve other people in a very practical way, and through that to find an opportunity to be able to talk about Jesus Christ. Other people have a relational style. That is, they make friends really easily. They, they love getting together with people. They're people first. They're people, they seem to be, seem to be uh, extroverted. They love to get into conversations and go deep with people about issues in their life. They have a, a cup of coffee and a piece of pie and talk about God. And those people are, are very effective many times in building friendship and through that friendship getting into deep and important and life and eternity changing conversations about God. And then other people have an invitational type of style. Maybe they're not the most articulate people in the world. Maybe they're not the most extroverted people in the world. But they love to invite people to go places where they can hear the message of Jesus being taught. 
And I think of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 who meets Jesus and realizes he's the Messiah. So what does she do? She runs back into town. Does she try to you know, persuade people that Jesus is the Messiah? No. Does she confront them? No. What she does is invite them back. He said, she said, you've got to hear this guy, Jesus. I think he may be the Messiah. And they came back to hear Jesus, and some of them did indeed come to believe in him. And some people these days are just really good at inviting other people to join them at an outreach service or at a church service or at an event, a Christian concert, or some place where someone who's gifted in their music or drama or communication who is going to explain the gospel that their friends can then hear and hopefully respond to. But I think one of the most liberating things about the Christian life is it's not a cookie-cutter approach. We don't all have to share Jesus in the same way. We can do it in a way that suits how Jesus wired us up, and we can do it naturally, and we can do it effectively. Wasn't that good? Kind of give you some ways that probably all of you as Christians, there's a way there that you can share, combine the different styles there of evangelism. I thought that was, I thought that was good. And it's a good Bible study. I don't know if you've ever gone through it, but you kind of go through role-playing and, and sharing your faith with each other, kind of practice on each other how you might encounter some situation out there. I recently purchased a video, this is another um, resource, that, and a workbook by Greg Kokel. It's titled Tactics, A Guide to Effectively Discussing Your Christian Convictions. He emphasizes questioning people. He calls one of his methods the Columbo Tactic, which us seasoned citizens probably remember the show. Um, here's a few sample questions Kokel might use. He'd say, if, if someone says there is no God, you'd say, what do you mean by God? Or he'd say, all religions are basically the same. You might say, really, in what ways are they the same? So there's a couple of questions, but the hope is a discussion would be sparked through questions like that. If you're interested in the material, I've got it, and if you want to check it out for study or just check, check what it's like, let me know. Coco also talks about gardeners and harvesters. He says the gardeners plant seeds, and it may be that most of us are gardeners. And harvesters could be looked at as those who would close the deal on someone becoming saved. He also says he wants to put a pebble in their shoe, so basically he wants to make them think it's, it's seed planting. The next area of discussion is not much fun to talk about, but I think it's helpful. When we all stand before God someday, we go to one of two places, right? Sometimes I like to hear or read about hell just to remind myself of the reality of it. I think we hear more about heaven because hell is an unpleasant topic. Having biblical knowledge of hell and how much it's spoken of in the scriptures can be sad and sobering, but this can increase our burden for the lost. Learning what the Bible says about hell can and will motivate us. We want to take as many people as possible when we go to heaven. Amen? Here are a few verses on everlasting destruction or hell. This is Daniel 12, 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And then Revelation 20, 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The difficult point about all this is that some do not get saved. I know it makes me sad when someone passes and is not saved. I'm sure you all feel the same way. We have loved ones, neighbors, friends, co-workers that need saved. I will end by saying we all need to be ready and willing to share the gospel. Pray for opportunities as we saw earlier in Colossians 4. 
I know this can be difficult and awkward. We take risks, but isn't it worth it? The leadership of our church is committed on our part to make sure we are all equipped to do the work of an evangelist, as we saw from Paul's writings to Timothy. In Matthew 10, 10, 16, Jesus is commissioning his disciples. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. It's a tough world out there, as we all know. As we looked at earlier from 2 Timothy 4.2, we are to be ready to share in season and out of season, which means all the time, right? 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Now is the day of salvation. Matthew 4.19 says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So those playing cards that you got, think of those. Put them somewhere that it's noticeable you, so you think about it. Think about sharing for people. Put it, use it as a bookmark. Put it in your car, maybe your desk at work. And hopefully it will spark someone to, or spark you to talk with somebody and it will give you an opportunity to share about Jesus. And I know, I, I've read a lot from my notes. And I know this is difficult. It's difficult for me too. But like I said earlier, I think when you do have a chance to share the gospel, hopefully you'll pray for those opportunities as we talked about but it just, there's something about it that just makes, you, makes your day when you get to share with somebody. And um, thank you for your prayers and, and thank you for listening.